0: Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan.
1: I'm Roland. I'm Tony.
0: We are here after another couple of weeks of it seems interminable rain where I live and a lockdown and lots and lots of fun stuff that's going on, but that just means more time to sit in front of your computer and play Dwarf Fortress, right? Exactly.
2: That was the plan.
0: I have played a little bit of Dwarf Fortress over the last couple weeks, and we'll talk about it later. I've worked on our Bloodline Fortress some, and I have also, uh, in the meantime, worked on some other fortresses. Nothing really interesting happened in my fortresses that were not the Bloodline Fortresses, so nothing really to, to comment about there. I'm continuing to, uh, to progress in my in my learning. I actually successfully fought off my first Goblin Siege, doing it the probably the more correct way in that I didn't just lock the doors and hide. I actually had uh, three squads trained, and I had a goblin siege of, like, seven goblins come in, and my squads ended up going out and fighting them off. So we lost a couple dwarves, but, you know, that's the price that you pay for for fortress security. But, yeah, that was nice. Things started to work like they were supposed to.
2: Did you have any um, good melee battles with your archers?
0: Uh... Have not even started training archers. I make sure to not buy any crossbows.
2: Any <laughs> great bludgeons.
0: I have four squads. I've got a squad of macemen, a squad of short swordsmen, a squad of hammer dwarves, and a uh, uh a squad that is just whatever weapons happen to be picked up by those dwarves. But none of them were archers. I am not that advanced yet to where I want to mess with training archers.
2: Melee archers,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it's mixed, mixed success there.
0: Have your personal fortresses uh, progressed any over the last couple of weeks?
2: So I am still in Oil World, which is now classified as a city with 167 population. Just you know,
0: Oil World, as in
2: crude oil. Oil World. <laughs> I don't know. Its world is in like it's just. Been. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, so it does sound more awesome than it is. Uh, and there isn't any oil here, but it is interesting. So, this is the one where the dwarves had a successful raid against the local necromancer tower and managed to steal the book, and then had a few subsequent exciting raids on the necro tower and kept stealing books. And now everyone in the fort is a necromancer. And then it also, it seems to be impacting people who come to visit who also become necromancers because we've copied that book so many times (laughs) now. So the whole world is, I think, slowly becoming necromancers. So that's been really interesting to see just sort of everyone becoming a necromancer. Then for the first time ever, my squad was able to kill and eradicate the necromancer tower in its entirety. So now it's just a ruin, which is exciting. It's just a vacant site now, so I've never had that before. That was pretty
0: fun. Were you able to see any details of, of how those battles went to eradicate the Necromancer Tower?
2: Like, is in like the combat logs or whatever? Yeah, it, it it looked pretty mundane. Like it wasn't you know there were some big ones, but um, they took uh, the Necromancers took a lot of people, a lot of the dwarves hostage. And then some of those dwarves have just disappeared completely. I don't know where they've gone. They don't seem to be there anymore at the Necromancer Tower. But um, yeah, it looks like basically it was just defeat. Successful ambushing defeat. I'm looking through one of the combat logs now. I wonder
0: if they stopped being dwarves and started being Necromancer experiments.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's all human Necromancer versus dwarf Necromancer. So everyone's a necromancer. There's no such thing as no we're in the, the solid necromancer world. Let's see if I can find the very last mission log on this one, because now I'm interested and let's see how it went. I think I was just so excited so excited that it succeeded. I was like,
0: oh. That's really cool. We we killed,
2: we killed it. Yeah, and it's just suddenly it just we just kind of went in and kept stealing stuff and then I clicked raise the fortress and then there were a whole bunch of artifacts left still and then we just kind of kept raiding it until there's nothing left it's just it sort of just petered out really which is
0: fascinating cool cool well not cool that it just petered out but it's cool that you were able to to wipe out a a necromancer tower that's pretty cool
2: yeah i'm i'm very surprised because i thought those had like beasts in them or something that couldn't be killed but whatever happened it It seems okay. So that's so that's that fortress. And uh, yeah, now I'm kind of like, okay, what now?
0: Now you eradicate all other civilizations on your world.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I must.
0: I mean, if you're the tower, capital T, capital T, then yeah, that's what you need to do.
2: Yeah, I guess technically we are the tower now because we've got all the books and all the. Hotness. Yeah, I think I think we are the tower. I think you had the
0: epic uh, locked cage battle with the other necromancer tower and you prevailed. So that gives you the right to subjugate the entire world.
2: Are we the baddies?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what will be interesting is if you retire this fortress and start up a new fortress while your necromancer fortress is going. I wonder if this you can be in the same civilization as your necromancer fortress and have it be the mountain home.
2: We are also, we also have a duchy and four baronies. So that's pretty exciting. And they're all necromancers. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really gone all gangbusters for us here in the oil world. I have to say this one's been, this one's exceeded expectations, but I, I did have a thing where, um, and I, I guess this kind of starts in the cheating thing, but one thing that happened is, um, I'm playing in a, it, it was a, what do you call it? A purple biome? Evil. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's an evil biome, but it doesn't seem to be – I can't tell if it's a reanimating biome or if it's just the fact that everyone's a necromancer and stuff just keeps coming back to life anyway because they keep raising it. But there was this echidna skeleton that shows up from time to time and absolutely lays waste. So, what had happened is I had four squads of adamantine Dwarves that were all legendary, whatever, whatever's, and I was like, this Echidna kept causing problems, and so I was like, okay, go get him, and it wiped out all four squads over the period of like an hour as it's grinding away at zero FPS. So something bugged in the game, I think, and then the whole thing crashed, and and so I lost that aspect of the progress. But now when I restarted, the Echidna is not there anymore. So hey, we beat it, I guess, by 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 a game crash. So that that's I'll, I'll take that as a success.
0: So, Roland, have you had a chance to play the last couple of weeks? Yes,
1: indeed. Um, I'm still in my cheese fortress. um but at this point, you can't really say it's a cheese cheese fortress anymore because really it is, I have more adamantine than cheese. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I have five squads, I think. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, and they are fully adamantine clad, as well. Even the arches, even the arches, and I still have around eight hundred to seven hundred adamantine uh, wafers lying around. And the spire is not even dug out like half the way. Cool. Um. So I have. Like, a lot to go. And at this point, I'm just cranking out Edmantine whatever's. Like, statues, chairs. I'm even making clothes out of adamantine just to see if it's actually worth it or not. It doesn't seem like it's actually worth it, but okay.
0: Can you demolish all of your workshops and uh, rebuild them out of adamantine blocks? Hmm...
1: Oh, that, that is actually a good idea. I should do that. <laughs> um, the only thing that bugs me a bit is that you can't actually make beds out of Edmantine, uh, um, which is really sad because I have so much Edmantine. I would love to give like everybody at an, an Edmantine bed so everybody is happy. Uh, <laughs> wow, well. that's so wasteful. <laughs> yeah it is but you know honestly i have enough at this point i i gave my i don't even have like a duchess or anything i just have a mayor and i gave him an adamantine clad tomb which means that there is a Edmantine's sarcophagus uh chains of adamantine chairs of adamantine a chest of adamantine um, I put a few coins of adamantine in there just for the you know fun of it. There are two statues of my mayor doing stuff. Like in one, he's making cheese, obviously, and in the other statue, he's becoming a mayor. And they're both made of adamantine, um, <laughs> so it it it's like ridiculously priced that tomb. He loves it, and uh, sometimes he even eats in it.
0: Your fortress is is the, you know, Dwarf Fortress version of Graceland.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like, at this point, I have so much wealth that I don't know what to do with it.
0: Um, do I need to explain and, the Graceland reference? I probably should, because there's probably some youngins. Yeah. So Graceland was Elvis Presley's mansion in, uh, in Memphis, and it was well known for being just... Over the top, gaudy. With well, for example, instead of uh, he had a uh, several uh, limousines that he kept in his uh, garage out back, and instead of chrome bumpers and chrome finish, it all was gold. So they had a gold trimmed Bentley in his backyard.
2: Because of course it was. Of
0: course it was right. He had uh, like real fur carpet on the floors, and so, yeah, it was just gaudy. <sighs> that sounds like your fortress.
1: Le- yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i think the only thing that actually keeps me from being overrun by goblins is probably the fact that i'm out in the nowhere i'm still on the mainland but i'm like out in nowhere i think there's only one thing next to me um which is a dwarven fortress that uh, is also of my civilization. Other than that, I don't. There's like nothing. There's absolutely nothing. The next thing is ten day travel away. So yeah, there's there's nothing going on. It's a, a whole emptiness, and this is probably the only thing that keeps me safe at this point because I have so much wealth. The goblins do try to to kill me. They send a siege of, I think, maybe a hundred goblins and a few, um, like, experiment people. The annoying thing about, uh, well, you know, the goblins are... Come on, I have, like, Edmantein armor. <laughs> a few goblins don't do, don't do stuff against me. I also have a lot of drawbridges, so um but the uh experiments keep trying to destroy my fortress that is um like open to the air and they keep destroying doors and my farm plots and killing my animals it's not very nice yeah it, it, honestly honestly um i think i might go ahead and just raid them to to like see you know you you can't come to me to my house and kill my animals. That is not nice. I will do the very exact same thing to you. Um. But other than cranking out adamantine crafts, I don't think I've done anything in this fortress.
0: So Roland, uh, Trader Vic from the yes. live stream is asking if you have any tips on generating a world with these uh, crazy amounts of adamantine. Um. It says that uh. <laughs> He says that every time he tries to mine them, he just unleashes the clowns after a few bricks,
2: yeah, that's a thing, isn't it?
0: Well, do you just luck out in this case or do you have any strategies you use? no,
1: i I don't have strategies. This was pure luck. I just wanted a cheese fortress. and um, but one thing i I have to admit i I usually do one thing because I have some kind of OCD when it comes to my layout. Um, I use a DF hack to reveal the map to me before I start to do my layout, just for the very uh, purpose that I don't suddenly punch into the caverns while mining my folders. Where's the
2: map? Well, well, yeah. (laughs) I get it. I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. I do not want to punch into the underworld by accident on my first tunnel. It's just annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I open up to the caverns later on in the game, but um i while i do like deep fortresses like between the second and third cavern layer i don't enjoy actually going through caverns themselves because they are a cesspool of danger um so i like to keep my distance to them and um sometimes i just scan how much atmantine i have or where the Admantine is and if the Admantine is accessible enough to make it an actual option to go down there Uh, most of the time it is not because you have like two three levels of of it and then you already have the um like a hollow in the spire and then you're gonna yeah nah nah nah." (laughs) Uh, but this this time was the only time where i've actually seen an adventi spire that big Um, but I, this is a normal world. I did not use advanced parameters or like world gen, uh, stuff. Um, I think you can also use DFAG inspect. Don't quote me on the actual command things, how they're called, but I think there's something called inspect where you can inspect the map before you start. In the very map, so you hit this keyword in, and it shows you what kind of metal ores, uh, stone types, uh, you have, and usually it, it can also quote how much adamantine you have. So you could try that. At this that's
0: point, sh- that's probably a little more information than I want to know about my map before I start, though. It seems like it would take some of the fun away, unless you have a set goal, like you really want to do a cheese fortress yeah. this time, so. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're um, kind of like ready for that to happen. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, so for example, I didn't do that because I just wanted a cheese fortress. Um, but if you want to make an industrious steel fortress, then it is, I wouldn't say necessary, but it really helps because you might set up the whole fortress only to discover that you actually have no iron in your map. Um, and- that would be. Bad. And also a, a, pain in a the place neck. for that would
0: yeah. be if you, the whole purpose of your fortress is to do a great work and you want to make sure that your conditions are right before you start for building your, you know, 750 layer tower.
1: Yes, especially for like mega projects, um, I think. I wouldn't say it's necessary, but it, because it never really is, but it can really help doing that, you know? Because imagine trying to do a mega tower made of glass and you realize you have no sand on that map and you have to start over, because that would be just annoying. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's up to you, honestly.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, I've... I've used DFHack Reveal before to look at to see what kind of minerals I have. Just you know, to save myself hours of exploratory tunnel digging. Like, did I just step into something here, or have I found a good? Yeah, uh, I'll do that. I'm not afraid to admit it.
1: Um, I I don't remember um, if there's actually what's it called like different levels of uh, details you can question so to say but sure i i i did it once for a steel fortress and uh i found a nice niche where i had a lot of steel as well as natural coal oh yeah that's a problem isn't it you gotta have that coal. yeah i mean you you can use wood but on the other hand (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a bit annoying. Also, the the bituminous coal is so much better than wood coal. Honestly, it's like, wow.
2: And you don't have elves coming, giving you a hard time.
1: Yeah, uh, that, elves. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's just a plus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go kill a couple elven forts with my uh, with my
1: squad here. Maybe I'll do that. That sounds like a fun idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I honestly, at, at this point, I honestly fear for the entire elven population in this world where I currently play. Um, because you know I have a fortress of adamantine-clad dwarves that are quite bored because the goblins are too weak for them. Yeah. See, so... that's where you
2: got to go after the necro towers. Now, this is this is your.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I just have two, and one of them isn't reachable from my position, because it's on an island, um, oh, because that's this, this is extremely funny, I actually have a human island, and on this island there only are humans, and also a few, uh, what's it called, like, some cat people, I don't remember, like leopards, oh. <laughs> leopard that's... people or something? That's hilarious. Um, Yeah, but on the the mainland, there are also a few humans, but just a few. And that tower is in, like, a broadleaf forest. And on one side, it is completely walled off with uh, dwarven fortresses. And on the other side, there are, like, a mass of uh, goblin fortresses so that tower is already in severe danger without me actually doing anything
0: i'm going to also uh, mention here we don't do a whole lot of self-promotion because we just don't like that sort of thing but uh but i did mention that uh that we got a question for the live stream and i'm going to just go ahead and throw in here uh, that the live stream is a perk for our top level of patreon supporters and if our listeners should want to support the podcast, then you can go to Patreon and look up Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. And uh, so that's an option for you. We're not asking you to do it, but you know, it's there, should you be so inclined. It's an option, yes. Just wanted to put out that someone's going like, hey, a live stream, how do you get the live stream? That's how. Um, The
1: devlog uh, they came out on the 13th, and we have wonderful, wonderful tree stuff. Um, I myself really enjoy the stuff you post, especially about trees and plants and stuff, because I like trees and plants in real life and the third option that he posts is forest and crone shyness and i was going to
0: make sure that we talked about that yeah that was cool
1: yeah yeah um i don't want to like bore anybody with like the biological details behind that but um while not all plans in real life do that i think it's a really really good addition to dwarf fortress because i really had problems deciding okay this this tiny piece of plant annoys me and I want to get rid of it but which tree um, like has those branches attached to it so now this problem is over because you can actually see that the trees are not touching against each other you, oh, you yeah. have one separate tree and then you have a bit of space between that tree and the next one so you you can always distinguish where one tree starts and the other one ends and i think that is amazing
0: yeah that's pretty cool so it pretty much looks like they are still going full bore ahead on working on graphics things for the for the steam release it does
2: yeah and those 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 um it's so promising to see, like, these really tangible, cool visual updates um, that keep coming out. I think it's going to be really exciting to see what this will look like once it, once we get the release version, first of all. I think that's going to the Steam version. It's going to look really cool. And then just what people are going to be able to do with it in the workshop. It's going to be super cool.
0: I'm not exactly sure why, but... I have seen over the last few weeks a lot of chatting in the um the gaming press about Dwarf Fortress and the Steam release and uh it seems like there's just been a a, a huge uptick in the frequency of Dwarf Fortress articles out there over the last you know, since the beginning of, of May even. And I don't know if it's because <laughs> of this last release. One of the things that he put in this last uh in this last dev notes was the detailed picture of the uh of the map. So that you can zoom in on the on the map, comparing it between the ASCII and the uh, and the new graphics. And I think that we may have even touched on this on our last episode, but I hadn't actually zoomed in and looked at the detail that is in this new uh, graphic. Looks pretty cool. Have you guys seen the the full size one?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. This is this Meth Mayday.
0: Right, right.
2: Coolness. It's coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Worth checking out. I, I think. Um, and I know that there was some discussion about like, Oh, graphics versus no graphics. And I don't know, man, I'm, I'm all f- for whatever makes the game more fun for you to play. If you like it and ASCII. obviously that's never going to go away, or at least never's probably the wrong word there, but is unlikely to go away. And, you know, you can, you know, you can dress it up in all the graphics you want. You know, if, if that is what floats your boat, I think that's, what's cool about it is that there's the kind of like options now. And it, certainly gives it more of a you know more of a widespread chance for success on like wide you know like a wide release because i have to tell you like so many people will like oh i'm never touching that game just because i can't figure out what a plus sign is I'm like well I, I get that you know but you don't have to have it like that it just seems like it's kind of an auto turnoff and i think having graphics be the face in the front door are going to make a huge difference in getting more people to like sign on for steam or whatever
1: yeah yeah i totally agree with you because now uh, finally my friends have no way to get out of playing dwarf Fortress anymore <laughs> um because now they can actually see what is going on
2: yeah i'll admit it like i've played ascii and i can play ascii and it, it's still fun like the game's no less fun But, you know, if I go to the subreddit or whatever and somebody posts a picture and they'll say like, I can't believe this happened. What luck. And I look and it's just, I mean, it literally just looks like symbols to me still after having played this game so long. I just looked at it and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Oh, here here was one I was thinking of. This is the best way to spend your adventure money. And it's like a box with a bunch of lime green colored at signs and exclamation marks. I don't know what I'm looking at. I mean, I know there's goblins here. I haven't a clue what's happening here. You <laughs> know, I had to look in and like tell somebody, tell me what's going on. Oh, okay, that's what's going on. You know, it's like if I've been playing for several years, and I still don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think graphics are going to be a helpful thing for people. Yeah.
0: So I will post a few uh, uh, a few links to some of those articles that uh, I get, I've been getting them of all places as notifications on my phone. Um, I, and it's been Google that has been recommending them to me because uh, I guess because I do a lot of searching for. Dwarf Fortress related stuff. Not sure, but uh, yeah, I've been getting notifications about people releasing uh, articles on uh, on the new Dwarf Fortress that's coming out. So
1: uh, please do share them. Yeah. Yes.
0: Still haven't had any hint as to the win, but yeah, time is relative.
2: Oh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess summer. I feel summer is the the most likely. Yeah. I've, possibility.
0: It looks like it's progressing quite well so yeah
1: like this this summer yeah like not in like four (laughs) years yeah summer future a summer
0: you know summer is relative some summer yeah yeah i
2: think it i think it looks like things are going pretty fast i think they're all working together on it and i suspect if toady's collaborating with folks for this part of it they probably want to get that wrapped up quickly and get people You know, because I suspect that there is some aspect of development. You know, he's been doing it on his own for so long that I would imagine it's going to be nice to get for him to get back to just, you know, playing by himself. Yeah. So I suspect he's probably motivated to, (laughs) to, to, to not have to have. You know, people looking looking at like, oh, so where is it, what's going on? Hey, I'm just here waiting for you. You know, I don't know, I, I just imagine if you're used to solo dev, having to collaborate just adds whole levels of complexity you're probably ready to not have to deal with anymore.
0: Our next uh, topic of conversation is Sharastalus. That's the name of the fortress. It's actually easier to say than the uh, Human Translation version. Wire Thins. I did some work on the Bloodline Fortress Wire Thins. I also, though, lost about six months' worth of time with a crash. So I was working along, and it was my second session on the year. And I made it all the way through uh, mid-autumn, but then Dwarf Fortress crashed. So at this point we're back up to mid summer. I lost about a quarter of the year. So we're going to have to go back and do that part again. What I I need to have turned on in my uh in my Lazy New pack is to have it automatically save at the beginning of each season. I apparently didn't have that turned on. Typically I do.
2: Oh yeah, that's useful. Yeah.
0: yeah. Especially given that we're on a a beta of DF hack and it's going to cause some crashes sometimes.
2: The, the one thing I haven't really had any success with is the Legends mode viewers. Neither of them seem to work for me with my current world. I've retired the fort and done the dump, it's and very stuff. They just crash. They just—it simply just will not work. Like, oh well, I guess I won't have Legends for this particular. I mean, Legends mode itself works in the game, but like the Legends viewers don't work. So I don't know if there are known bugs out there, or hmm. if I'm just unlucky with my world, but. It, it didn't happen, so I'm, I'm okay with it. So Let it go.
0: What I want to talk about our fortress, though, is the fact that I took a pretty deep dive into the personalities of our individual dwarves, and I'm going to go ahead and bring that document up here so that you guys can see it. And... You made a document? Yes. <laughs> So this is just a review of the of the personalities of our of our dwarves. So it turns out that our expedition leader and a another dwarf have a romantic relationship going. Okay, and that's fine and everything. And and it looked like they were going to be the power couple of the uh, of the fortress. However, it turns out that there is a third dwarf who also has a relationship with Zan, who is the female dwarf. So if you look at Irvad, who's the expedition leader, you look at his description, it says that he has a romantic relationship with Zan. You look at Zan's, it says that she has a relationship with Irvad. But then you go down to Shem's description, and it says that he has a relationship involved with Zan, but Zan's doesn't mention it. And Irvad surely doesn't mention it. So it looks like that we started off our fortress with a love triangle. That will be very interesting. It's almost like it started off with a soap opera. So I'm going to very certainly, (laughs) very certainly going to follow that as we go along. I also noted that uh, Irvad, whenever he is under stress, he clicks his tongue. I nicknamed him Clicker. It says Clicker here. I actually changed it to just nicknamed him Click. And Zan... Whenever she greets someone, it says that she always points at them while she's greeting them, kind of like "Hey, how you doing?"
2: Finger guns. Yeah,
0: yeah, finger guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm gonna yeah, we'll call that. We'll change her to finger guns.
2: Yeah, that's an awesome thing to do to that person. Right
0: now, her uh, her nickname is Point, but yeah, it's gonna be finger guns. I also uh, added to the nickname of all of our original seven added the word "wire thin." To the uh, nickname of them, so that they will be historical figures and they will be easily uh, findable in the Legends browser. Do a search for wire thin, and it will bring up any of those dwarves. So. so, yeah, it's it's uh it's progressing along. Hopefully, I'll have the the rest of the year worked out within the next couple of days, and I'll be able to pass on the the fortress to who gets it, Roland or, or Tony.
1: Um. I mean, last time I got it right, so we could switch it around or stay at the... Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'll just... You can turn it around pretty fast,
2: whatever, whichever. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can get a year done, no problem.
0: Yeah, uh, I should be able... I should, <laughs> I've had this for like two months now, but... <laughs> yeah, cool.
2: Hey man, it's quarantine years.
0: But yeah, it's going to be an interesting fortress, I think. I like the. I like the. This is the first time I think that I've ever really read every bit of each of their uh, descriptions and the personality aspects. Oh my to god! These the pressure's cool. on
2: now. Not to kill this thing.
0: <laughs> no, they're gonna die. Pressure's on. They're all gonna die. That's just the way it works. Oh, unless oh, they become no. necromancers. Unless they become necromancers, no. then they never will die.
2: Yeah, because yeah, cause I've got a vampire active in my necromancer fort, and it doesn't seem to do anything to anyone. It's it's just. Pretty cool.
0: Hmm. I do hope that he ends up dialing back the necr- necromancy bit to it eventually, because I don't know. It just seems that the inevitable conclusion of any fortress now is to become a necromancer fortress.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, there's a lot to that, isn't there? It's a disease um,
0: that, that, that spreads and makes everybody immortal. Some disease. It right? is interesting. It's an
2: I'll, I'll say that. Um, how else are you going to get your sacred tummies?
0: Last time we had a podcast, we cut Roland off short because we were running long, but Roland was wanting to talk about, uh, happiness in dwarf fortress. And I kind of suspect that maybe it is lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last time we
1: we sat here, I read a thread on Reddit before, so it it is now quite the old thread, really. But hey, um, post to
0: the to the show uh, to the Discord, and I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Ooh, I mean, sure, if I can if find, we'll it. find it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it basically went that one person said that the happiness system currently is broken and another person said that it is not that broken as people make it out to be and i i thought it was really interesting at both points really so i thought a a bit about it myself and so my opinion on this is that while the happiness system itself seems to be broken i don't think it is really that broken i think Toadie wants it to be quite hard and challenging for the player i think he wants that some dwarves are more miserable than others and he wants some dwarves to spiral downwards and you you have to make sure that you catch them before they fall and that it is not easy like like when like i don't know which version i started with but i remember that in that version the dwarves were really easy to handle and they had no big trauma whatsoever and you know you could throw corpses at them and then and, and, and horrible stuff and they didn't care uh, so in this current version it is completely different but i think it is good but hear me out about this so the only negative thing i have to add is that i think that the extremes on the Dwarven happiness letter are too hardcore. So both the positive and the negative. Because you get Dwarves that you can't help. It it really doesn't matter what, what happens to them, you know. They can have a happy Dwarven life, a lot of food, a lot of clothing, a good room, maybe even you know, a big family, it doesn't matter. They are sad. (laughs) And they spiral downwards because nothing. They they get unhappy for like one time and they keep thinking about that one time and spiral downwards. And it doesn't matter if you give them like an adamantine room or something. uh, Like statues made of gold or big beds or they will continue to be miserable. And this is very obvious, but the other hand is the dwarves that will stay happy no matter what. Of course, they are somewhat less. Well, you know, you see the unhappy dwarves mostly because they blink with that, like, unhappiness.
0: Right. The little arrow arrow. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh it is not that easy to see dwarfs that are eternally happy. Because you you don't see them as bad as these sad dwarfs, but they are just as broken, I think. Because I have dwarfs in my fortress that are eternally happy. It doesn't matter what happens, you know, they're they can be naked I have a smith that is completely naked, completely naked for years. He doesn't care. Uh, He doesn't even get clothes because he doesn't care. And his wife died. His two children died. He is completely naked. (laughs) He's seen rain, smoke, miasma, dead children dead dwarves, dead goblins. It doesn't matter. He, he doesn't care. He's the happiest dwarf in my entire fortress. <laughs> he should be absolutely miserable, but he is on top of the happiness ladder. And I don't get why. It's the mushrooms he's eating. I even, it has to be, because this guy is impossible to break. It is absolutely impossible to break. And I looked into his personality, and He's not that special, honestly. Like, the biggest difference is just that he is extremely invulnerable to stress, so that stress doesn't get him. That's it. Other than that, he is a completely normal dwarf. Nothing out of the ordinary.
0: While you were talking about this, mm-hmm. I did pull up uh, Reddit and and did a search. Now I know that this is not the thread that you were talking about because the thread you're talking about it was over two weeks ago. There is a more current yeah. thread, though, called Dealing with Stress in Game that I will post a, uh, a link to in the show notes. And uh, and that p- p- talks a lot about the same things that you're covering here, and it also gives some nice pointers uh-huh. on, on things you can do to help Im- improve them. Uh, now, getting them to react more re- realistically to tragedy in their lives, uh, it doesn't cover that. <laughs>
1: but Yeah, and this especially says they have to expel sad dwarves from the, from the fortress to make sure that the rest of the fortress doesn't get dragged down. And I think that's like, you shouldn't go that far just to make sure that your fortress doesn't get dragged down. Um, minor inconveniences in a dwarf's life should not be that massive in the dwarf's life. Because th- we all know that rain is terrible for dwarves. And while, yeah, okay, I get it, like they're underground creatures, they do not like water from above, okay, okay, I can get that, they get miserable from it in a way and density of of sadness and depression, you know, they get like rained on one single time and they will think about it for the next six years. And yes, I I actually had a dwarf that kept thinking about getting wet outside for six years. And he went absolutely insane because of the rain. There was nothing else. He liked, like, the tavern stuff. He drank alcohol. He was a completely normal dwarf. But he kept thinking about getting wet, like, every second day. Didn't like the rain. Didn't like the rain yeah, he really didn't like the rain.
0: So I had heard of the, the remove stress DF hack command, but uh, looking here, there it looks like there's also a fill needs DF hack. Yeah uh, So what would be the difference between those?
1: Well, the remove stress just sets the stress to the m- okay, so first of all, stress works like this. If you go in the minus, like minus 100, minus whatever, mm-hmm. then they get happy. If you go up, like 100, 200, they get sad. Well, they get stress. Right. And zero is like the medium, like a dwarf gets born at zero. And remove stress just sets this number to the most negative Number there is like minus 100,000 or something. It's a dwarven antidepressant, yeah. It's an instant antidepressant, but it is just an antidepressant. If the dwarf wants to pray and you don't have a church, if the uh, dwarf wants some clothing, if he's like wants something to drink or he wants to see his family, then those needs will still not be met gotcha. and he still gets in the next tick as soon as this as his needs get uh, questioned again he will get the same big minus again gotcha. and fill needs is just fills his needs but completely uh, le- uh, leaves his uh, happiness number untouched okay okay you know um i'm not completely sure about this i might be just spewing something out there i haven't done data mining on it, but I have the feeling that minor inconveniences can be more often remembered than major life events. Because I see getting rained on or getting nauseated by the sun way more often than I see, like remembering his child died or something. Something that should make a massive impact on the dwarf's life, just gets remembered well, sometimes. But, like, getting, getting rain on, that's like every second, second uh, entrance in, in his thoughts, you know, what I'm talking about? I
2: would get it if it was, like, nauseating slime. Like, if you got rained on by nauseating slime, or blood, or whatever, sometimes gross things. I would get it, if that's what you're remembering, because that sounds really horrible, but just regular rain, I'm like, come
1: on. Um. So, in conclusion, I think the extremes of how a dwarf could be sensitivity to stress. I say that is like it's 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 way too 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 extreme on both ends. You you have dwarfs that go miserable no matter what. You have dwarfs that stay happy for the rest of their life and doesn't matter what happens. And it should be like the median of those things, because normally your dwarves are fine. Most of my dwarves are like, they don't like being rained on, but they get over it. They, you know, they see dead things and they go like, oh no, but then they have a nice tavern and they go like, oh yes, so it's fine. So the median of dwarves is manageable. And just the extremes on both ends are just too extreme. Just way too extreme. I think minor inconveniences could maybe be remembered for a few days, maybe a few months, but after years (laughs) they shouldn't be they, they, they should not remember being rained on after six years.
0: I am saddened and I am upset by remembering that I couldn't drink from a mug six years ago.
1: Yeah. You know, that's, that's remembering that your spouse died or that your child died a few years ago. That is legit.
0: Yeah. But, but that, you could, that you couldn't find a mug six years ago probably is not. Yeah.
1: yeah. I
2: think a, a dwarven therapist would be a good job, an in-game or even therapist, just to help them work through their issues. I think that's a role.
1: Yeah, like a mix between something they could, you know, get rid of bad memories or, or general, a whitewashing of memories so they can start over and they don't have to remember like bad things that happened a few years ago. I love that they can remember stuff now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But they also have to forget things because yeah. if not, they just
2: become really unstable. It's really important for them to move on.
1: Yes.
0: Dwarven psychologist sounds like one of the custom professions that Meff would add to his, uh, to his game loader.
2: Totally. Yes, exactly. That would be hilarious. There's a, there was yes. a,
0: a uh, forum thread started by Thrito a few months ago. I guess about six months ago now. That th- that he's actually asking for input from the community about things in specific uh, things like what uh, what Roland's talking about that that uh, cause problems with the game. So I'm going to dig into that uh, over the next few days because it looks like it might be an interesting an interesting thread on the forum. If if you're oh, interested, yeah, cool. the forum is actually called We Need Your Help with Game Ending Stress. Uh, and it was posted mm-hmm. by Three Toes. So I guess we should go ahead and wrap up the episode and hope everyone uh, stays safe and COVID-free and plays lots of Dwarf Fortress.
2: Feeling good.
0: We'll be back in a couple weeks to talk more about Dwarf Fortress. And until that time, everyone have a, a, a great week.
2: Yeah, see you guys later. Have a good one.
0: Bye. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes.